We have talked about for weeks how overloaded the Cleveland Guardians roster is. The 40-man has no room to go. There is no way you can add another player to this roster. Guardians said, hold my beer. They added another pitcher. We'll talk about him. We'll talk preview the Red Series all on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, my name is Jeff Ellis. My co-host's name, who's hanging out today, is Nacho, 15-year-old cat. Uh, he occasionally has a lot to say during the podcast. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. And remind everyone to download daily, subscribe on the YouTube, all that fun stuff. Uh, we fell out of the top 100, so I always like to remind the fans to go ahead, download daily. That is something that just really helps the show. Uh, for those who don't know me, before I was the host of Locked On Guardians, and concurrently for a little bit, I was the national draft and prospect analyst at 24-7 and scout before that. Uh, before that, I appeared on pretty much every single Cleveland sports blog in some way, shape, or form uh, discussing prospects in the draft. Without further ado, let's talk about Johan Ramirez. Uh, it was... You know, to see the announced trade, I mean, I got it a little bit before it broke. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise. And for those who missed it, he's traded to Cleveland in exchange, basically, I think, cash considerations. The original um, message I saw, or a player to be named later, but everywhere else just said cash. Johan Ramirez is not a Guardians type of pitcher. And I'm going to put it that way. Because what we saw in last year's draft and what we've seen with this whole team uh, is the thing they do best is finding another gear with pitchers, not refining them. You know, you look at Savale, you look look at this entire rotation. Uh, every single pitcher in there found another gear, found a way to improve their pitches. None of them became better pitchers. Like the one really big success story I can think of in terms of someone who had some wildness I guess there's two. It's Bauer and Clevenger. And how much of that was just those two with their closeness and working together uh, in their own different approaches. But for the most part, they've drafted some guys who have control issues and they never seem to iron it out. Uh, They've not done as well with control pitchers. What they excel with is taking someone who already knows how to pitch and finding that extra gear. And that's why they drafted the players that they did. Um, As Ramirez was a former Rule 5 pick from Houston to Seattle. He had a strong 2021 season and uh, limited opportunities. It was, what, 27 innings? Uh, well, I don't know if strong's the word. On paper, it looked decent, but he's got a negative war for his career um, across all of his stops. He's got command problems. When he gets hit, he gets hit hard. Uh, it's, it's plus stuff, but he's got terrible command. And He's got terrible control. Command and control are different things. Not only does he walk a lot of guys, but he ends up leaving the ball in places where, in spite of you know having multiple plus pitches, uh, it gets hammered. If the Guardians could unlock him, which, again, they have done with other players. Right now, he's mostly been slider fastball, but his curveball was a legitimate weapon in the minors. He was a potential starter at one point in time. I don't think he's going to be that for the Guardians. 
you're looking at a guy who maybe, again, it's not their fort, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. It doesn't mean that they don't see something maybe that's easily cor- uh, correctable. But they get a pitcher who's got plus stuff. You know, three above average plus pitches with a fastball slider and curve. Just can't spot any of them. And he doesn't know where it's going if we are being nice. it Everything gets away from him. I mean, throughout his minor league career, his walks per nine have been, you know, in a good season over four, most seasons over six. Uh, he's just with the home run rates over two in Seattle, you know, a uh, pitcher-friendly park. So, yeah, he's not been good. Like, there's no other way around it. He is a – this is about tools and not production. He just – he hasn't been a, able to produce consistently because he walks himself and he gives up long balls. And we know that the Guardians don't necessarily care about that. They don't care about giving up a lot of home runs as long as you can keep guys off the base pads. And he does not give up a lot of hits, but the walks are there, and they come back to haunt him. And you look at his FIPS, I mean, they've been terrible. Which is fielding independent ERA. It's the best indicator of future success. They all show that this is a guy who's not good. Um, there's no other way around it. He's had three seasons in the bigs. He has not been good in any of those three seasons. He is 27 years of age, and Seattle's like, it's not going to come together. We're giving up. And the Guardians were like, uh, we can move James Karinchak Car- uh, to the 40 man, uh, the 60 day disabled list. So to open a spot, they moved. Uh, Corinne Chalk, I mean, he has been, you wonder what's going on. Like, what is the, you know, we know the official injury report. Is this some degree of mental? How do you qualify um, what is going on with him? I mean, he he pitched six innings after he got sent down. And he, that's all he's thrown. We're six innings over the, what, the last three months of the year once he ended up in AAA. Didn't, hasn't really gone out and shown anything since then and has been dealing with the injuries and the ineffectiveness. And he was just was never the same player after they banned sticky substances. And that was the thing we talked about. It. He is that guy who throughout his minor league career had good stuff, but elevated to, you know, one of the top relievers in baseball and certainly seemed to be due to foreign substances. Now... He, there's more going on there. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how they're putting him on the 60 day DL. He seemed to be trying to work his way back, but you know, now, I mean, he's he may not pitch for them this year. I, I, you know, and when you look at the back end of the pen, his role is now Trevor Steffens, uh, and Sam Henches. Like, those two guys have taken uh, Corinne Chalk's role. I mean, if he could come back and be what he was before, if he could figure that out, and that's a deadly bullpen. I just don't have much faith in that happening, and right now I have no idea what is going on with him. He's pitched nine innings, you know, over, what, nine calendar months? Now, yeah, some of that's the offseason, but he also didn't pitch during the end of last season. He hasn't pitched in the minors so far this year. Uh they moved him over because they don't think he's going to be ready anytime soon. You know, when you're putting him on the 60-day disabled list, that just shows that you know, he has a right back strain, is the official injury report. We'll have to you know, see when he's healthy and ready to go. But, 
I mean, to me, that's a right back strain for the 60 day disabled list. I mean, I guess you can probably backdate it because he hasn't pitched at all this year. Um, but yikes for Corinne Chalk. And then Ramirez, again, you never really want to doubt him. They're going to send him down to AAA. I'm sure they're going to get coaches going and working with him. But at the same time with Ramirez, he comes from originally Houston. Uh, if you're going to talk about the teams who do the best job of developing pitching, it's Cleveland, Tampa, Houston, and Milwaukee. And the Dodgers. That's probably your top five. You can argue order, but that's definitely the top five. You're betting on finding something Houston didn't, which, eh, you know, of late, Houston's been better than Cleveland with pitching development. They have been. That's just the truth of the matter. So I, I don't have a ton of faith in him getting figured out. But I guess at the same time, what you're doing here is exactly what you did when you traded. I'm almost surprised this trade didn't happen a while ago like this uh, Ramirez for Bradley Zimmer would have made sense a while ago I'm kind of shocked it didn't occur but this is the same thing like Anthony Castro it's a player that has options who can go up and down who is an interesting arm who they're going to get an extended chance to look at if it works out great if it doesn't fine uh, you know they did a small trade last year when they traded Jake Bowers and got the uh, Dominic Cassetta Stubbs who's a potential reliever down the line for the Guardians but that's another quick little deal, um, an interesting arm, and then you know probably even more so than getting someone with you know plus stuff, but no, they got a thrower. They didn't get a pitcher today. They got a thrower. Is the fact that Karinchok's going on the sixty-eight disabled list with a right back strain? That's you know it, the injuries kept evolving and changing with him, and uh, I'm going to be curious to see if and when he does pitch this year. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back, talk about a big promotion in the minors. And, of course, we're going to preview this upcoming short series against the Cincinnati Reds. Ohio Cup. Uh, you know, it, it could still be a tie at this point, right? Our first sponsor is, as you know, my favorite. Listen, they sent all of us hosts the birthday cake puffs. And the reason why they sent it to everyone is they, they knew it's a winner. They know it's a favorite. Who doesn't like birthday cake? Who doesn't like funfetti cake? This is Funfetti Cake in a bar, and I've talked about it. Maybe I need to explain in depth what a puff is. I love their puffs. The churro puff, one of my favorites. That You can still get that. That's still available. Uh, I talked about the um, the one that was like a, a, uh, a peep. They're chirps. Uh, this is a protein bar that is a marshmallow wrapped in chocolate that has you know less sugars than most other protein bars and 19 grams of protein. It looks like a candy bar, but it gets an A in my health food app. And sometimes, you know, in a health food app, you'll say, I eat two of these, and then it drops the score down because it's not as good. You should only have one. Stays an A. Like, this is just a healthy, healthy item that you can eat every day. Over at BuiltBar.com, I eat them every day. You can eat them every day if you go to BuiltBar.com. Remember to use the promo code LOCK15. I use that on all of my orders because it is the best deal you will find on the Internet when it comes to Built Bar. That is promo code LOCKED15 to try the best tasting protein bar I have ever had. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. So now that we've talked about that trade, let's talk about the fact that uh, it sounds like Tanner Burns is going to be down for a while. So we talked about just how amazing that Akron uh, Rubber Ducks pitching staff is, right? We had Hunter Gaddis on the show two weeks ago. Uh, Espino is currently hurt, but he's also part of that great rotation uh, there. Uh then I'm trying to think who else was involved. Logan Allen, you know, we talked about him, the young player. Uh, 
young player, the young lefty who's always been someone who I've been higher on than the field. I thought he was the best player they drafted in their 2020 draft class. Um, in addition, I, I'm just trying to remember, like, top of my head. So, you know, we talked Gaddis, Burns, who's on the DL, Espino, who's on the DL. Espino hopefully will come off soon. Uh, talked about... Man, I'm just falling over myself. Two injured guys, Gaddis, Allen... Um, Joey Cantillo, who I thought was the number two piece back in the day in the Clevenger trade. And now uh, I know I'm forgetting people because it's just ridiculous the amount of starters who have gone through. Um, But when you look at it, they just caught up Gavin Williams, who has been absolutely uh, unhittable in the lower mind. Oh, you know who I forgot was uh, Xavion Curry, who's likely to get added um, to the roster before the end of the year, probably as a reliever. But yeah, I you know they have they have in mean, all of these guys are pitching prospects. That's the thing. They, every single one of these players we're talking about is a legitimate pitching prospect for the Cleveland Guardians. But Gavin Williams, it's a cleaner delivery than Espino's. Espino is a unicorn. Um, you know, maybe he'll stay healthy, but I mean, this is. Okay, so for good or bad, this is very reminiscent of Tristan McKenzie in AA, where there are always concerns, because Tristan McKenzie is also a unicorn. His height-to-weight ratio doesn't exist as a starter. You know, I've, I've talked about it many times. I tweeted out that, you know, going back when I was paying for baseball reference to have the ability to search the database, I tried to find someone with his listed height and weight, and the only picture that popped up was Jason Smith, Schmidt. And I didn't tag him in this. I just tweeted out that fact. And Jason Schmidt found me, responded to that tweet, and said, that was my high school weight. I pitched it this weight. That stuff is never updated. I was like, oh, well, I didn't tag you, but thank you for the information. Uh, So, you know, McKenzie was a unicorn. He moved through the system steadily and didn't really add much. I mean, he was kind of the similar guy, just refinement, refinement, and uh, throughout improved the secondary offerings. Now, and then he had the back injury and then the other injury, and it just kind of slowed him down in double A. This is Espino's first time with those injuries. And, you know, the bigger thing with him is honestly, like, he doesn't have to be Rule 5 added, so he's not going to be. We're not going to see him in Cleveland this year. This injury, there was hope that he might come back this week. That hasn't happened yet. Um, I think there will be people by the end of this year who have Gavin Williams ranked ahead of Daniel Espino. Because there's always going to be that degree of risk. Espino, like I said, is a complete unicorn. How much you want to depend on his future outcomes, um, like I said, they could be top, top end. Williams was drafted last July, and he's in double A. They have been crazy aggressive. This is a team they used to be. When I started covering this team back in, like, 2007, you know, back in the days when Chuck Lofgren was the, the number two prospect, Adam Miller was number one. Uh, and it was nothing after them. I mean, those were those were low days for the system. I don't want to sit here and, and drag anyone, but I can think of, like, no power first baseman who ended up, I don't even think, playing in the big leagues who were considered top five prospects. It was dark days in this system. And I, I say all this to be like, you know, uh, they would bring these guys up just level by level. You spend a year in low A. You spend a year in double A. You spend a year in, you know, high. I know I skipped high A. But it would be this slow step. Now they're like, eh, you haven't even, it's not even a year since you were drafted. Let's put you in double A, Gavin Williams. It's like, okay, and we're off and running. I mean, that 
he's got electric stuff. He's got the pitches. He's got the velocity. I can see why. Um, I was probably too low on him. And he was one of those players, like, I kept moving up in my draft rankings a year ago and kept moving up. And when they drafted him, it was a slight overdraft, but I was fine with it. Like, I did have some guys I liked more. And when I did my my redraft, I don't believe I took him, and I'll probably end up looking foolish for it. Sometimes we get him right. Like, you know, when I redrafted Sean Murphy over Logan Ice. But then others, like that one, probably going to end up looking very wrong. Uh, but to aggressively put him in double-A already... Now that this is what it comes down to, a, you know, Beatonfield, Curry, Gaddis, all have to be added at the end of the season, if you want to keep them. Cantillo, that's four potential arms. Those players are all going to get shots. Uh, Logan Allen, Daniel Spino, and Gavin Williams are all playing very well. But none of them need to be added to the 40-man at the end of the year. And yes, there are those guys now like Castro and uh, Ramirez. We're like, well, that's kind of like some dead weight. But at the same time, at some point, they're going to have to re-add you know, uh, Cody Morris. You're going to have to re-add um, Carlos Vargas. You're going to have to re-add uh, Karinchok. So that's three players that, yeah, technically they're not on the 40-man but before any final roster moves get made, you have to add them. And it's not like this is a team loaded with veteran free agents. So what, Brian Shaw is the only player who's probably going to be gone at the end of this year in terms of just um, contract on a one-year deal? Uh, I guess uh, technically that's not true. Uh, Maley and Hedges would also walk at the end of the year with the way things are set up. But it's not like they're going to clear a ton of space. So it is a situation where I can't see them adding any of these players that they don't need to add. They'll let them sit there and work on their refinement and get better. This is not a team building for this year. Let's be honest. The window, as much as I, you know, I talked about on the Friday show, it's like I still would love to see uh, Contreras and Hap, and I'm totally okay with one year of Contreras um, buying you time for some of the other players uh, to get ready, hopefully Lavastila or Naylor. But in Hap would be a two-year guy. But I, you're not building for this year anyways. They're not going to rush. They're not going to mess with service time. They're not going to put themselves in an even greater bind in terms of this roster by adding someone. So it's great that Gavin Williams is promoted. Um, but, I, I mean, he's going to spend the rest of the year at AA, and then he'll probably spend all of next year in AAA. Uh, I don't see him getting a call-up in the next year, year and a half, unless they make some big moves, unless they clear some space on this 40-man um, unless they trade some of this starting pitching. Problem is, what are you going to trade them for? Who right now really has value? That whole pitching staff is down. Unless you're trading McKenzie and you wouldn't trade him. He's the cheapest player, the one who's farthest away from arbitration. You know What are you going to get for Savali right now? Not much. What are you going to get for Plesak? He's a back end. I mean, really, what do you get for someone like him now? These players don't carry much trade value. You're hoping Shane Bieber rebounds because he's likely traded this offseason. Um, but again, if you trade him, what are you going to get in return? Like, how do you make that work where you're not just taking that whole 40-man crunch and making it even worse? So all things to consider. I'm uh, I'm very curious to see. But you know, like I said, Gavin Williams is going to be a top five prospect, if not top three prospect in this system by the end of the year. I fully believe that. Uh, you good chance you'll see Williams and Espino 1-2 in some order. Uh, and, you know, probably with Valera... Though Valeris, you know, it, it's not been a great start to his year, you know, and for a guy who can't stay healthy, 
Uh, it's not like he has gone out there and shown the world that now he's an Iron Man. You know, if you've kind of missed it so far with him. Like I said, he was my number one player heading into the season. Uh, Akron, 222 average, 371 on base, 340 slugging, 711 OPS in 30 games. I mean, he's just, he's not playing super well. He is not doing anything to make you think that he's going to do anything other than spend this entire year in Columbus, or in Columbus, in Akron. So we'll have to see. Something to consider and talk about. But at the same time, you know, he had a 747 OPS last year there. He struggled with that transition, and his numbers are somewhat in line with the year ago. So let's take a break, come back, and talk about the Reds and Guardians' upcoming series. Now that we talked a little bit about the minors in the middle, we had a trade, talked about uh, the ridiculousness of the Akron pitching staff and Gavin Williams being pushed up there. Gavin Williams is probably... See, Daniel Spino... Let's, you know, I know it's going to go to break. Daniel Spino is the highest upside. Like, when his stuff is going, he's unhittable. He's, you know, potentially leads the league in strikeouts type. Gavin Williams is the best combo of high ceiling, low floor amongst those kind of top-tier pitching prospects in system. And then the safest is Logan Allen. So that's how I kind of view, to me, those are the top three arms in system right now. Uh, agree, disagree, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Draft. We're going to take that break, come back, and talk about the two-game series against the Reds. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait, while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only their brands, their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. Let's not bring it up every time. I cost myself 50 bucks by getting my oil changed and letting them just give me whatever wipers they had. I just accepted the ones. If I had gone to Rock Auto, because when you go there, it like gives you like a little flame icon to let you know which ones are the best sellers. So you know what people are buying. So you don't necessarily, like I could have gone with the super cheap ones there and saved even more money, but I could have still saved 50 bucks if I just gone to Rock Auto and not been lazy. Don't be like me. Don't be lazy. Save yourself some money. Go to rockauto.com. And again, even if you're a person like me and you don't know cars, you can do a quick YouTube video and save yourself money on filters, save yourself so much money on windshield wipers. And by the way, they often have rebates on filters as well. And when you go to rockauto.com, in the little box, how'd you hear about us? Make sure you write some form of locked on. You know, Locked On Podcasts, Locked On MLB, Locked On Guardians, something to let them know their advertising money was well spent with the Locked On Network and rockauto.com. Okay, so the Reds, they're bad. <laughs> News flash. They're the worst team in baseball right now. Uh, they have not got to double digits in wins yet after throwing a, they were at nine wins and then they had a no hitter and lost. Um, they have never had the top pick in the draft. I've talked about this many a time. They're in line for the top pick in next year's draft. Um, I was trying to think probably the Dylan Cruz draft is what we're shaping that up to be the LSU outfielder who by the way if you go back to my 2020 way too early mock uh, I had him ranked higher than Austin Hendricks I had him ranked higher than Robert Hassel I had him the number one prep outfielder in that class now I knew he was undersized I knew he was not necessarily the best athlete but the dude had a really good approach he worked all fields and he hit the ball hard I was like, what doesn't he do? It's like, what doesn't this guy do? Uh, he kind of fell in the, the ranks everywhere else and ended up going to college. He's been a force since day one at LSU. 
So uh, right now, yeah, the Reds are the leaders in the clubhouse in the Dylan Cruz sweepstakes. Uh, let's do our comparison. Let's just go position by position. Catcher, Tyler Stevenson, obviously wins. Uh, he's one of the best young catchers in baseball. It took him a while. Uh, you know, he was drafted in 2015. This is really his first year in 2022 as a starter. There were years where people kind of gave up on him, myself included. It was not a straight path. It was not an easy path for him to get to the big leagues. Uh, he was the 11th overall pick. He, I, you know, he was a bit of a Kylie McDaniel fine. He was a Georgia kid. Kylie was posting some videos. He was a late player in that season, but you know, he had big power. He was a really interesting late riser in that 2015 class. Uh, one of the few times the Reds have not picked in the top 10 uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, but it's turned into a very successful pick. And again, I don't think they're trading him. I know a lot of Guardians fans like him because you get so many years of control. But why would they trade him? You know, if you're going to build a team out for the future, he's a, he's who you build around. Uh, you're building with him and Jonathan India and Hunter Green because the rest of the minors, I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't a, a Lodolo guy. Um, for, uh, you know, De La Cruz, Brandon Williamson uh, is a solid prospect, but he's not great i liked you know i liked their draft class from a year ago you know matt mclean was a really nice pickup but it's it's a weak minors um it's a weak majors it's a weak everything in cincinnati moving to first base colin moran has actually played well for them uh, he of the like 40 different stops uh, if you might remember speaking of draft classes he was the guy that was most mocked to the guardians in the uh is that the 2013 draft is the Clint Frazier draft. Uh, everyone mocked him as the Guardians pick. Uh, right now, slotted at first base for the Guardians, I believe his own Miller. Uh, until we know more about the Josh Naylor situation, when he's going to come back. Owen Miller and Colin Moran. I'm going to I'm going to go Miller here. Uh, Moran just hasn't been very good. There's a reason why he's gone like Pittsburgh and Miami and. Uh, was let go and is now in Cincinnati moving on to second base uh Matt Reynolds you know first time I saw his name on the Reds is like Mark Reynolds no no Matt Reynolds different M Reynolds this is advantage Cleveland uh Andres Jimenez is probably gonna be the second baseman I know it stinks just let the dude play short why can Rosario not play second base he can't play short he can't he's not good there he's not good anywhere defensively and his bat hasn't uh you know he's again it's one of those situations everyone's like okay what can we get for him right now who wants him you can't trade someone who's performing that poorly it's like what skill does he bring uh so advantage guardians moving to shortstop kyle farmer versus ahmed rosario um man this is a race to the bottom situation right here uh, kyle farmer has been a quad a player for his career he has been worse than Rosario. His defensive metrics aren't good. This is advantage Cleveland because is it a Jose Barrio? I believe is their top prospect for Cincy, who I think is hurt, and that's why he's not. Yeah. So right now, uh, probably COVID list for Vado. India had a strained hamstring. Bar- Barrio's got a hamate had hamate surgery. Uh, Donovan Solano, I liked that addition for them in free agency, and he was playing well. Strained hamstring, Max Schrock, strained calf. Jake Fraley, who was like the third piece in the um, the Winker deal, he has knee inflammation and Nick Senzel COVID list. Uh, so, man, 
go check out Sinzel. You know, I've talked about it a lot of times. It's just it's not coming together for him. And if if you think that's a few guys in the injured list, Justin Dunn, uh, strained shoulder, sixty day. Lidolo, strained lower back. Mike Miner, shoulder soreness. I still don't know why they traded for Mike Miner. I mean, I get that like Amir Garrett had a down year, but there wasn't a better offer. Uh, T.J. Anton, who's another you know depth guy, solid piece for them. Had Tommy John, Daniel Duarte, elbow inflammation. Lucas Sims, who I mean, I think a lot of us thought would be their closer. Uh, lower back spasms and Justin Wilson who's bounced around a bit elbow soreness this is a one of the more beat up squads Nick Senzel by the way this year uh, runs created plus of 46 this is a guy who is now across his uh, his big league career you're looking at 180 games 673 plate appearances 77 runs created plus top 5 prospect in all of baseball um, has not posted a positive war since 2019. I was, and, you know, I say this where I had him as the number two player in the draft, gave Cincinnati massive kudos for drafting him. Um, I don't know what's occurred. Like, it was 70 hit, 55 everywhere. I mean, that was a uniform view. I don't know if it's because they keep trying to play him out of position in center field. Just maybe set, let him settle in at something else. But my goodness, it's it makes you feel like there's no such thing as a prospect. Sometimes, continuing our you know trip across the infield, third base advantage Guardians. Uh, Brandon Drury is actually playing well for them, but that is still advantage Guardians. That gives uh, Cleveland what a three spot advantage moving to the outfield. Center fielder T.J. Friedel. Uh, he was an interesting guy because he's one of those. The Reds had extra bonus money left, and he was kind of a forgotten player. Went undrafted, and they signed him. Um, they still had some money left, so they were able to sign him to a contract late in the season as an undrafted player. Points where I liked him more than others. Uh, you know, advantage center field goes to Cleveland, though. Four-point advantage. Let's move to the corners. Left field. Tommy Pham's been playing really well of late. Cleveland currently um, the left field position. Can I not see who has had the most games and left? It's because they're listing Mercado and Quan. Um, so Quan's got three games there and three games in right. So I guess we're going to technically go with Quan and left field for now. I'm going to say advantage Cincinnati just because I know people are getting mad. Quan uh, is a better defender, yes. Right now, Tommy Pham is murdering baseballs. He is playing really well coming into this series. Um, he is defensively has issues. Quan is the other side where his defense is uh, the defense is there, but his offense is backed up. So right now, in this moment, these two games, who is likely to perform better? It's Tommy Pham. Uh, over the course of the season, it still might be Tommy Pham. Over the course of the next two years, it's Stephen Quan. This is not to say that I'm out on on Quan. This is not to bury the kid. It's just to say that right now, Fam is playing really well, probably better than you think. Uh, moving to right field, uh, old friend alert, Tyler Naquin versus um, Oscar Mercado. That's advantage Cincy, so they take two of those outfield spots. So Cleveland uh, ends up essentially, what, shortstop, second base up, two positions, moving to DH. Uh, Moustakis... Has not been very good this year. Fran Mill, it's been back and forth, up and down. I think it's still advantage Cleveland. If I go and look at 
Moustakis's overall numbers. I feel like he has not played super well. One ten runs created plus. Well, I guess we got to shift it. Advantage. For some reason, I thought he wasn't even playing that well. Uh, advantage since he so one point advantage, and then you move into something like starting rotation. Um, Connor Overton, you know, a free agent released by a bunch of teams. Hunter Green, Luis Castillo, Tyler Molly are. Maybe more name value than production value. Not to say that those aren't really good pitchers. The bullpen is not good at all on any level. That's definitely advantage Cleveland. You know, old friend alerts like Ross Detweiler. And then just I mean Jeff Hoffman, another one of those, you know, big name prospects that didn't ever quite come together. Tony Santillian, I thought was gonna be a future starter for the Reds is a big prospect for them. Uh We'll have to see how it plays out. But right now, the pen and the rotation is advantage Cleveland. Individual matchups, uh, Plesak versus Overton, that's advantage Cleveland. Molly versus Quantrell with the way things have played out so far this year. I still think that is advantage Cleveland. Um, my uh, co-host is strongly disagreeing with that. He thinks that Molly is the better uh, pitching matchup. You know, I just I guess his FIP is a 3 four, six. Okay, you're right. It's advantage Cincinnati in that one. Are you okay? You make me re-doubt myself. He's right. It is probably advantage Cincy in the Tyler Malley-Cal Guantrell pitching matchup. Um, but overall, these are two games Cleveland should win. Cleveland should sweep, the, sweep this series. Cincy is a really bad team. Uh, a really bad team. If Cleveland doesn't end these two games with an 18-17 and 17 record, uh, then they played poorly. It's, you you can't can't give up either one of these. Uh, then there's off day Thursday, and then we'll preview Detroit, another team that is massively scuffling out of the gate before um, facing. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, I don't have a cough button. Um, before facing the Houston Astros in Houston, one of the hottest teams in baseball. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Guardians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, also subscribe and check out the YouTube where you can see babies and cats. And, uh, when we're playing games again, you can, I'm going to start going back to having, you know, an inning, maybe every other day or something like that as a, uh, segment on the show. People really liked me doing my version of color commentary and talking over the game. So I will try to do more of those. And as always, you know, hit me up on the Twitter, hit me up in the comments on the YouTube I respond. I adjust this show based on what people are telling me. So that is there for you. And as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.